0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: The 234th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
0: From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. through are way to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeouts. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them tar heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national Gagum champion. Love, guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services, Josh and Anthony. We are back with you guys on the eve of Selection Sunday. And it's one that, you know, I think... I think after Thursday night, we thought all hope was was gone for Carolina. But with the way that the bubble has shook out the last forty-eight hours or so, there is some there is some life to Carolina making the 2023 NCAA tournament. And we're gonna take a look at how their resume stacks up against some others from around the country. But before we do That, we will give you our thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And we go to the legendary football coach, Bill Parcells, who won uh, Super Bowls in the NFL. one of the greatest coaches, one of the greatest leaders um, in the history of pro sports. And everyone's heard this uh, a lot, but this really applies to Carolina and where they are waiting for selection Sunday. And that is simply you are what your record says you are. And, you know, Carolina's record isn't sexy. It's not, it's not pretty, but that's, that's the reality of the situation right now is that Carolina has got a record that has them in a, in a spot where, you know, they're sweating out selection Sunday. And so with that, let's transition right into the preview. Of course, you can find the selection show that'll come your way at 6 p.m. over on CBS, where you'll get the full 60-18 bracket, and then ESPN and CBS Sports Network will have bracket shows breaking down the men's and the women's tournament uh, throughout the rest of the night. Um, when you look at Carolina, uh, their resume—they're 20 and 13 overall. They were 11 and 9 in the ACC and played two games in Greensboro, beating Boston College before losing to Virginia, who lost to Duke in the final. They are 2 and 9 in quad one games. They are 5 and 4 in quad two games. They have zero losses in quad three or four, which is actually better than where they were a year ago. Remember, they had that home loss to Pittsburgh which qualified i believe as a quad three loss if memory serves me correct um, their non conference schedule uh was the seventh best in all of college basketball and their overall strength of schedule checks in at number 24 and so you know buddy when when you look at you look at this this resume you know huber davis kind of said it the other night that um they they had a lot of chances to win a lot of games we referenced they had nine leads in the second half of eight points or more in their 13 losses so they definitely squandered away some opportunities but this is this is kind of a resume that kind of matches up pretty pretty ideal to what they did a year ago in terms of their quad 1 wins what they did in quad 2 and of course they don't have that that really bad loss on the schedule and something that our good buddy and P1 to the show, Colin Hoggard pointed out, this team's lost one game all year long by double digits. And that was at Indiana. You know, this team last year had four double digit losses of 20 points or more. So, you know, they're, they're, they're completely different in a lot of different ways, but they're also, kind of similar in a lot of in a lot of other ways as well when you look at this resume and it has it doesn't have that win that you had last year when you won at duke 10 the season but when you look at it from top to bottom do you think this is a resume that warrants carolina hearing their name on selection sunday
0: uh no but do I think that there are many other teams that we are talking about and that people have in the field that have better resumes? No. Like, we've heard before that the bubble is is weak. And, you know, part of it, I think, is that this is just the modern era of college basketball. But I think there are some teams this year that are incredibly flawed that are on the bubble. And the thing is, is it seems like there is a lot being put into the analytical side of things when it comes to the bracket. And something that they've said all along, which makes absolutely no sense to me, but probably helps Carolina's case this year, is that they are wanting to get away from the eye test. They, they they don't want to have they 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 don't really don't want to use that unless they absolutely have to. Um they are more in the mindset of wanting to use analytics to figure out which teams are deserving of being in the tournament and if if you look at it I mean look 2 and 9 in quad 1 not great. But outside of that they they've had some pretty solid success in the other quads. Um, they've taken care of business in quad three and four, something that a lot of other teams on the tournament bubble have not done. They have one or multiple losses in each of those quads. So I think that's the argument that Carolina has. And I got to be honest, I the other night, I would have told you no chance this team is making the tournament. But there have been a lot of teams that have – taking some rough losses in conference tournament play. Um, Some of them, you know, not necessarily to bad opponents. It's just the fashion in which they got beat in these conference tournament games. And I think it, it has opened the door for Carolina at the least. And I think we all know, and you know, whether, whether it's fair or not to other teams, frankly, I don't really care because I pull for one team. If, We're going to make the tournament. I don't really give a rat's ass about any other team in the country. I don't care if their feelings are hurt or not. Um, If is close, the brand might be enough to get them into the tournament. So I think that's why, you know, when we were talking earlier and we said, we might have to do a podcast on this. I think that that is part of the reason why we are doing this podcast is that now there is a legitimate conversation of whether or not Carolina should be into the tournament. And the team that you can thank for that is Ohio State, mostly.
1: Yeah, their run, They I mean, they made the Big Ten semis, uh, and they, they pushed Purdue for about, you know, 26, 28 minutes until they really just ran out of gas. A team that uh, has been uh, hampered by injuries all season long, but they got hot there in Chicago. and they've pushed their net ranking inside the top 50 and if that thing holds that could be something that 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 makes or breaks carolina's case i think the first thing that this does when you look at the way the bubble has has kind of worked itself out this week across you know the 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 the, the power six conferences in college basketball it, it really it really makes that loss to virginia hurt that much more because, you know, we entered this tournament, the ACC tournament, saying that we got to we got to get to the ACC final, at least like we didn't see another pathway um, to 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 make the tournament without went to an out without winning the ACC tournament, which, of course, qualifies as a, a, a an automatic qualifier. But I, I, I truly believe that if Carolina would have won against Virginia, that would have been enough. To with the way that the with what with with what Ohio State did, that it would have pushed Carolina into the field, and so you know that's one thing that Coach Davis is right about, where he says that look we had we had our chances to to not make this a discussion, but we didn't get the job done, and now there is a discussion, and and the Carolina's brand is is going to play a role in this, and whether that's right or wrong, that's really not for. not for us to decide, you know, I I think when I look across the landscape and, you know, you're trying to get the best 68 teams and really the best 35 teams after you get your automatic qualifiers. If you had to ask me in my heart of hearts, do I think Carolina is one of the best 35 teams that deserves an at-large bid to play for a national championship? I think that answer is yes. But my my answer is also I don't think this team is going to win a national championship, but I do think that they're worthy enough competing for because, you know, to have 13 losses and only have one double digit loss, you know, I, I do think that speaks volumes to how competitive this team is and has been all season long, giving really their, their poor play, Uh, in in a lot of different areas on the offensive end. You know, defensively, this team finished second in ACC play in terms of defensive efficiency. And in most years, if Carolina was defending like that, they probably win the league in in, in, in blowout fashion. But inefficient offense and lack of depth really, you know, hindered them from being able to do those things. So, you know, when it comes to that, I do think Carolina – is worthy enough to compete. But I also, you know, am honest honest enough to say that if if I were to see this team in a bracket, I'm not not putting this team in Houston. I don't know if this team would make the second weekend of the tournament. I just don't know. And the biggest reason why is I don't know how this locker room would respond to having to go play basketball again. (laughs) You know, the biggest thing we really lamented on after the loss after Virginia was how relieved this team looked for this, for this to be over, and it, it it would be a really difficult you know scenario to hear their name called on Selection Sunday, and trying to get them not only just physically and mentally prepared to go play, but emotionally prepared to go play in a in a setting which would most likely be Dayton, Ohio, in the first four. Let's take a look at you know really the one team that. Carolina is, 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 is Carolina's really going to be looking at it with, with a resume and saying, if, if they get left out and this team gets in, you know, what the heck are we doing here? And as fate would have it, that's their rival NC State. Um, a team that I will sit here and tell you, as much as I loathe and hate that program, it's a tournament team. Um, they're, they're a team that I think deserves to compete in the NCAA tournament. But their resume might tell you otherwise. 1 and 6 in quad 1. So they have one less win but three fewer losses. Um 7 and 4 in quad 2. So the exact same losses um but two more two more victories. Um like Carolina 0 quad 3 quad 4 losses. Their non-conference strength of schedule 230th and their overall strength of schedule is 69th when you look at carolina's resume which we went over a few minutes ago and you look at and you look at nc state's resume you know i think nc state is worthy of competing for the tournament which would then justify why i have carolina in the field with one more quad one win where do you stand on how carolina stacks up against state from a from a resume standpoint and do you think if 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 nc state makes the field that, that, that's enough to justify Carolina also making the field.
0: I mean, it's hard not to. I mean, if we're going to be honest here, I mean, do we really? Do we? Do we? Do we think Carolina is a better team than than, than NC State? I, I I honestly couldn't tell you. I I think the thing that really plays into
1: that is the Clemson factor is you got beat three times by a Clemson team. Two times, you weren't even competitive. All three were double-digit losses. And that's a Clemson team that lost to South Carolina and lost to Loyola, Chicago, who wasn't very good in the A-10 this year. And then, as everyone has talked about since the loss happened, they lost to Louisville, who won four games all year long. (laughs) And and so, you know, like, the one thing that Carolina had – last year going in their favor was, you know, outside of the, you know, the the Pittsburgh loss was a singular bad loss. And it's not that Clemson, quote-unquote, is a bad loss. This team was finished third in the ACC regular season. You know, they they were playing in the ACC semifinals in the ACC tournament. But you look at who that team lost to, you know, those, those they had three bad losses. And for that Clemson team to beat you three times by double digits – I would have to imagine that plays a role and plays a factor in state's candidacy to make the
0: field. Well, the problem is is okay, so let's let's put all the ACC teams in here that are in the conversation. Pittsburgh to me is in no questions asked. Yes. Now, the problem is going to be is that a lot of people are going to try to argue well what was like that they didn't you know losing to duke was, was was a terrible loss the way that they they lost they haven't looked great it's a very similar case to nc state the difference is is that they have the wins on the resume that i think would tell you that team should be no questions asked in the tournament the problem with state is that you would i mean if if you would have had this conversation 2 weeks ago i would have told you there is no way in hell that nc state is being left out of the tournament cuz they were the best they were the best of the other 3 teams here of clemson us and themselves but now i mean I don't know. Like the thing is, is there is no way that if you are the committee, you can put NC State in the tournament field and not put Clemson in there. Like the head-to-head has to come into, into consideration here, especially when you got resumes that are as close as these are. See the difference with Clemson is, is that Clemson's got the quad ones. They've got four quad one wins. They They more than meet the criteria there. As you mentioned, though, they have three of the worst losses of anybody in the conference. So my thing with them is if I look at Clemson, that looks like a tournament team. Then you have the Carolina aspect of this when it comes to the head-to-heads. Well, State, you split with. So there you go. To me on that one, if you split with them, based on what we've seen from you know these bracket experts and usually the bracket experts as you know much as we hate them and we think that their everything they have is flawed they seem to have a solid enough indication of what the tournament committee is going to do well then the tournament committee is probably going to look heavily at the analytics the, the the net rankings, all that kind of stuff. So that's what you're then going to have to look at. Carolina holds the advantage there. And when it comes to Clemson, Carolina beat them and beat them rather handedly when they yep. them. So that's, that's where the argument comes in here. If you're looking at these teams right now and telling me, okay, which one of these teams looks the most like a tournament team? I think it's Clemson, but I'm just telling you, when you bring everything into effect here, I just there there is an argument here that I don't think we we saw before, and that's just amongst the ACC teams. Like that doesn't even involve some of the other teams that I mean, I think you're 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 seeing like you're seeing a lot of different teams. There's a couple of SEC teams that are in there. um you're seeing a couple of Mountain West teams that are in there as well. So, amongst the ACC teams, though, and it feels like they are probably, in my mind, they will probably put two of these teams in. To me, I think Pittsburgh should be solidly in the field, but, they, I, I mean, indications are starting to show that may not be the case. Um, but if they, if there are two teams that get into the field, I mean Carol- Carolina's Carolina's got a hell of a shot I think. Well, I mean
1: I think you know the one of the things that should go into this is you know you look at the metrics and stuff like that and then you just look at the eye test okay Carolina beat state at home by double digits they lost to to state on the road in a highly contested ball game. I think if you put those two teams on a neutral court, which we, you know, not, not that we were hoping for, but I had the chance to see that this week in Greensboro, I I think people would would favor Carolina on a neutral court to win the game, just given the way that they beat them at home and then the way that they, you know, competed on the road. I think even with Clemson, if you put Carolina and Clemson on a neutral floor, Given the way Carolina beat the brakes off of them in Chapel Hill, I think people would favor Carolina in that matchup. And the NCAA tournament is played on a neutral court. It's, they're played on neutral environments. Sometimes, you know, depending on if you're a high seed, yeah, you can play almost in your backyard, but it's still a neutral court. And 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 so I, I think the thing is, is, you know, and this isn't me just ponying up for the ACC – but i never thought the league was as bad as everyone made it out to be i don't think it's as great as the big 12 i don't i don't know if it's as good as the big 10 but it's not as it's not as bad as you know the mountain west conference and some of these other conferences out there that have a chance to put teams in over acc teams and like especially when it comes to like a nevada who you see being you know, seated in the field, or even if they're out of the field, they're ahead of Carolina. You're not going to tell me that that's a better basketball team than North Carolina. You put them on a neutral court. I think Carolina would beat them and beat them rather, rather
0: handedly. And so, yeah. you know they're, And they're, their resume dude, Nevada's resume. I have no clue how this team is anywhere close to being in the tournament. They have losses. At Loyola, Marymount, which isn't it that that was one of the better teams in the West Coast conference. But you look at some of their losses in conference, they lost both games they played against UNLV. And this is not even the UNLV of the early 2010s. Um, they lost to fellow bubble team Utah State, and they lost at Wyoming including the the end to the regular season. Actually, they've lost three straight because they lost the first game that they played in their conference tournament against San Jose State. To me, no way that team should get in over Carolina. And I gotta be honest, I don't think Utah State should be in over Carolina either. Um, They have a bad loss against Weber State, who was one of the worst teams in the big sky this year. They also have a loss to Southern Miss, who is God awful compared to what they've been in the past. Um, and I mean, yeah, the Mountain West, like you can't tell me that the Mountain West is that great of a conference. I just, I mean, I, I I haven't watched a ton of the Mountain West. I've watched a few games of theirs this year. I don't think that they should be getting the pass that they are. The fact that they think that conference could put four teams into the tournament and that, at this point, the ACC could put in four teams into the tournament if enough things go wrong is insane to me. Like I don't think that should even remotely be a conversation.
1: yeah, no, i'm I'm right there with you. Um, like I said, you're you're never gonna you're never gonna convince me that, especially like this version of the Mountain West, like when BYU was out there and San Diego state was out there and you had the guys of like Jimmer Fredette and Kawhi Leonard in those conferences, you could, you could sell me on those teams being better than ACC teams. Not, not in 2013, where those are two different. You know, BYU is no longer in that conference um, or, you know, San Diego state just isn't the same, the same program they were. And so, um, I, I do think, you know, it's something that Jim Beheim talked about at the beginning of the year was that, you know, all the ACC does is get crapped on, but then they outperform everybody in the tournament. I don't know if that would be necessarily true with this year. Um, I, I think that, you know, Duke, Duke is this, this conference's best shot to go deep in the field with Miami and Virginia maybe being second weekend of the tournament teams at best. Like, even if Carolina State, Clemson make the field, you know, you would imagine one, if not two of them would be in Dayton. They would probably be gone by Saturday at the, you know, probably at the latest. Just because even though I think they're teams that deserve their chances to compete, I also don't think these are teams that are capable of going on significant deep runs in March. And so that's what just makes this this all compelling. And, and to be honest with you, like you said when we started this conversation, the only reason why this, this is even a conversation is because of Ohio State's run in the Big Ten tournament. If, if Ohio State wakes up on Selection Sunday outside the top 50 in the net, I, I don't think Carolina really has an argument. I really don't.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think I, – I I don't see them dropping now that much because I think they, as you said, they played very competitively for the majority of that game. There's not many teams around them. Like, the only – like, there's a few teams around them. UAB played tonight, but they – they have they are they have already lost at the time of recording I believe the conference USA title game uh to Florida Atlantic um so I don't think they're gonna move up Penn State maybe they could continue to move up, but I mean they're they're still fifty fifth as opposed to Ohio State being forty eighth and that's pretty much it I mean Iona 59th, but they, I mean, they didn't even, they, they didn't really look great in their game that they played today in the Mac title game. Um Kent State, 63rd. Like, there's not a lot of teams like that. There's no one, I don't think, that's going to make a significant jump. So I would be, I would be stunned if they dropped that. I mean, the teams that are behind them are Mississippi State which is another team that's in this conversation here, I don't think that Mississippi State should be in this conversation. Um, I know, like we were talking earlier, that the committee doesn't judge a lot off of the eye test. That team, I watched two games of them in Nashville after seeing them a couple of times during the season, too. That's not a tournament team by any stretch. They should have been beaten by Florida, who they did get beaten by earlier in the year. You look at their resume, too. They have losses to Florida. That game was at home, by the way. Uh, Georgia, on the road, but still, Georgia is not a good basketball team by any stretch of the imagination. And they also have a loss to fellow bubble team Vanderbilt, which is the other SEC team that's in the conversation. The problem for Vandy is, I mean, they, they have 14 losses now on the season. They, to me, I think that team would be in no questions asked if they did not lose late in the regular season to LSU, the worst team statistic coming into that uh, SEC tournament. Um, that that was one of only two conference wins that LSU had all season long. Um, if they didn't lose that game, no questions asked. But when you pile that loss on top of Grambling, who almost won their conference title today but still ranks in quad four, um, at VCU is not really a bad loss. The one that really hurts them a lot. Maybe even more than Grambling is Southern miss. That's that's a tough one to overlook for them. So I mean, I think there's you know, there's a case for them. They're probably playing some of the better, some of the best basketball of anybody that's on the bubble. But I don't know, man. I think both those SEC teams, I, I think Carolina would beat both of those teams. Maybe that's just me, but I, I think that that Carolina is a better basketball team than both of those.
1: Um, I would definitely say yes over Mississippi state. I think I think Vanderbilt, there's a question like right now, if they're better than Vanderbilt. You're talking about a team that's got two wins over Kentucky. They beat Tennessee, like, and Jerry Stackhouse, former Carolina you know player, has kind of figured it out and though he's got he's got his players and his kids believing and responding to his message. I think that's where the brand is really going to come into play with, with those teams, is because like if if Mississippi State or Vandy make the field, I think they're going to be in Dayton. Well, would the, would the diehard college basketball fan rather watch Carolina or Mississippi State? That might be up for debate. The the average fan, which is what the you know they're they're trying to attract. Uh, during the the NCAA tournament, wh- a lot of people generally know North what North Carolina basketball is uh, and has been about historically. Um, not many people know about Mississippi State basketball, and with Vanderbilt, they might know that they have a pretty unique gym, and that's about it. And so, I think that's going to be the thing, and. You know, something, Lenardi's talked about the, really the last three weeks is that if Carolina wasn't who they are, that you wouldn't see them on any seed line anywhere. And so I do think with what Ohio State's done this week in Chicago, I, I do think it, it only strengthens Carolina's argument because they they they're they're because of the way the quad system fluctuates, well now that quad that 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 win became a quad one win. And then you factor in Carolina's brand, which has really kept them in the conversation all year, you know, all, all bubble watch long. And now there is just a really compelling argument to put this team in the field. Um, like I said, putting them in the field is putting them in Dayton. It's them playing on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night at nine 40. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not this team being a 10 seed playing on a, on a, 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 a Thursday, Friday regional. Like that's, that's not the case. So it's it's really just it's really just uh compelling and drama led television, which is what this this month is about. No other sport delivers drama like this sport delivers. And this this bubble watch is and and maybe we're just over exaggerating because we're we're involved in it really heavily. This is as unique a bubble as as I've ever seen, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think the, the the biggest reason why is because the net system is a fraud, and it has it has ruined and devalued the selection uh, process of putting together the greatest sporting event we have here in this country. But you know, as I said when I went on this rant, I think it's been about three weeks ago the one thing it does do is is it does feed the storylines it does create the drama that the sport not only wants is that the sport needs because it isn't valued uh with other sports despite its product being insanely better on a on a much more consistent basis tv has made this a three week of the you know a three week of the of the year sport and so with that you need as much drama as you can get and the net has delivered just that but as i said kind of earlier it's going to be really awkward to see how this team would respond if they were to go and have a chance to compete in the assembly tournament um just simply because of the mood in that locker room and we played audio of of Huber davis we we played audio of, of armando baycott that really were just at a loss for words and didn't really know what to say. And that's happened quite too often this season. And then if you you trust guys like we trust, like Brendan Marks and Josh Graham, voices that you have heard on this podcast and will hear again, the sense of relief they felt going into that locker room that this thing was over, to, to try to get this team to regroup and buy in, to to go play again, I think would just be a fascinating story. I would love to be a fly on the wall tomorrow afternoon where, if this team were to gather to watch the selection show and hear their name called
0: because they get in, by the way, we have to give credit to Hubert's ability to convince this committee because yeah, I don't even think, I don't even think us as Carolina fans bought what, 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 he was trying to use as the argument just a couple of nights ago. Like, I don't I know if he bought. It. I really think that he was just—he was just trying to get out of the, out of that question. At a point, he was trying to figure out: Is there anything that I can use? And now we're sitting here, and from them not playing, their resume has gotten better and the teams around them their resumes have taken significant blows so yeah it's it's uh it's weird man it it's going to be it's going to be real strange to watch you know what i mean just here's the thing i don't even know if they're going to hold a watch party like most bubble teams will hold a watch party to see if they get into the tournament anybody that has any remote chance of making the tournament field will usually have some sort of gathering. I don't really know if they're going to. I I mean, I got to be honest. Are these guys, do we know if these guys are even still on campus? Like, it is spring break week. Are these, are these guys gone? Like, at, are they going to have to track these dudes down? Because I think we, from what we saw the other night, You know, I sit on here and told you I thought they should play in the NIT, treat it like a bowl game in college football, and and just use it to play your younger guys. But I don't think that team was going and playing in the NIT. I I don't think there was any way they would accept that bid. So if that's the case, and they thought, no way they're making the field, I mean, you have to wonder, I mean – If some of these guys are not, you know, off trying to, maybe maybe even Hubert just said, look, go out and try to, you know, let this season go a little bit. Who knows? So it's going to be, it's going to be wild. I mean, there, you know, there's a lot of teams that, that have solid cases. Um, You know, I mean, piecing it together is going to be, is going to be real tough though, but I mean, even some of the other teams that we've talked about, like one of the teams that's, are, that's still ahead of Carolina, don't understand. Carolina should be in over what over Wisconsin, no questions asked. And I think the, the tournament committee would put them in over them, um, without a doubt. Um, I also think Oklahoma State's another interesting case. I think Carolina's a better team than them. Oklahoma State has bad losses on their resume. So, I mean... I don't know. To me, when we talk about this bubble, the teams that we have talked about here and some teams that are showing up, I think there are two teams that are clearly better than Carolina and should be in the field. Pittsburgh and Arizona State should be in the field, no questions asked. I think every other team that we have discussed tonight there is a reason why you could argue Carolina should be in over them. Kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's what it's
1: what makes this sport so great is that you know the the people that cover this sport uh, from a media standpoint they will tell you that too much parity is a bad thing and that you know they you 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 need the blue bloods to be blue bloods and dominate the sport at a high level but i'm going to tell you right now that wouldn't that that wouldn't be as much fun as what we have right now where you know you have you know in my opinion there are there are 20 to 25 maybe even 30 teams that could win a national title and i would not be surprised that's how wide open this thing is and that's what separates this sport from everything else and so while you have your your national title contenders that there's parity. Then the same thing exists with the bubble when you're trying to fill in the back half of the bracket. um, And, and you know, I'm with you where I, I do agree that Pittsburgh should be solidly in the field. Like this team was playing for an ACC regular season championship, the final game of the regular season and lost by two points on the road to a team that lost one home game all year long. Arizona State. When you do, when you have the wins that they have, and the way they have they have played since you know um, February, that's a team that you could sell me on making the tournament. You know, you mentioned Wisconsin. Yep, I'm with you. I think Carolina is better than Wisconsin. Should be in the field. Rutgers, from an analytic standpoint, since the start of February, the 205th best team in the country. You don't I mean, look, and I think Steve Peikel's done a fantastic job with that program. Yeah. Rutgers basketball means something again, which hasn't really been a thing since uh since Jim Valvano was there in the early 70s. But I would still think Carolina would, would beat that team on a neutral court. And so this is this is gonna be interesting. You know, this is really our first times as fans kind of going through and having to really sweat out a selection Sunday, you know, there, there's Carolina, you know, it was an eight seed last year. They were an eight seed um, back in, in 2013, you know, but those, those like back then, like a 2013 being an eight seed was a lot different. Like being an eight seed, you know, we, we kind of entered that tournament thinking Carolina was going to be a six seed. And then they wind up on the six line. So you know, and again, another thing that would be would be a lot different, and of course we know they'll never do this, is that if if they were to seed Carolina the correct way, outside of putting them as a play-in team, this would be a 13, 14, 15, 16 type of seed seated team. It's never gonna happen. You're never gonna see a power, a, a power conference team seated like that. The lowest you'll ever see them is 11 in a play-in game or maybe maybe a 12. But it's 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 even extremely rare to see uh, a, a power six conference
0: team seated kind of that low. I mean, but dude, I- look, go back, go back, what is it, two years now, Georgetown, her, just a horrendous regu- regular season. I mean, it was one of the worst that we've seen from – a power conference team in terms of a team that made the tournament, they got hot. They won four games in four days, or was it five and five? I think it might've been five and five, to be honest with you. And that team was a 12 seed. When there were teams from mid-major conferences that, I mean, as they showed, because they bowed out quickly to Colorado, um, there were teams that were mid-majors that were far better than that. So, and that's a team that had an automatic bid. So, you could have placed them anywhere that you wanted to. It wasn't that they had to be in a play-in. So, yeah. I mean, I think that shows you kind of the difference between being in a power conference and a mid-major conference.
1: So, yeah. I mean, I think it just – it's going to set up for as nauseating a Sunday – that, you know, we've, we, we've ever really experienced as Carolina basketball fans. um, And, and you know, kind of like we said, and kind of in closing here, th- this is really only because of what Ohio State did, that this even really became a discussion point. And if we wake up in the morning and Ohio State finds themselves outside of the top 50 in the net, I don't think you need to sweat out watching the selection so because Carolina won't make the field. But if they stay with if they stay with within this uh inside the top fifty and Carolina has two quad one wins to what NC State has, and you know, we mentioned what you know, Mississippi State's done or all the bad losses Clemson has suffered. I do think this team has a much more of a legit chance to make the field, as opposed to the likes of you know, Joe Lenardi, Jerry Palm, Mike decorzy those
0: guys would tell you. So um, but, with well, that. One last thing here. I think we should do this for the people. Do you think they actually make the field? No, I don't. I, I, I agree with you. But I think when they show us how they how they basically how it panned out i think they'll probably be the second or third team out it's not going to be like we thought the other night where they would be nowhere close
1: yeah i i'm uh, i'm comfortable i wouldn't be surprised if this is the first team left out of the tournament i that that would not that would not surprise me in the slightest um, because of what it would do for ratings and talking points for all the breakdown shows and stuff. And, you know, when you look at play in results from what Tuesday and and Wednesday would bring, you know, there would be that discussion of, well, what, what if Carolina won this game? Would they have been more competitive, et cetera, and et cetera. So, Um, yeah, if Carolina is the 69th seeded team or the 70th or the 71st or the 72nd, you know, it's not, it's not going to surprise me. And if they're 69th, then I will join Mike Slive and tell them and and the belief that it's time to expand the NCAA tournament. So I have to worry about my team missing it moving forward. Um, but with that, we're going to take a quick break. We're gonna get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. And when we come back, I will close down this edition of the Four Corners podcast. That's coming up next after this message from DraftKings. opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is, do all of these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on... The Heel Tough Blog podcast. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up tonight's edition of the show. Uh, but we do encourage you guys to visit the website that's heeltoughblog.com where you'll find out or we'll have coverage of the results from Selection Sunday if Carolina made the field or not, and if they're going to the NIT or not, that would all be on the website uh as we'll continue to take you through the rest of the actual basketball offseason. Before turning our attention to what's going to be a very important uh, off season for the program. Also, spring football underway in Chapel Hill. Whatever comes out on that, and Anthony will have you cover. That's HeelToughBlog.com for the latest basketball and football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. get any sweet of the map